a day removed from the Celtics opening night win, and we're still just going gaga over the Jays and their performance, plus the defense. Very impressive. Joe Mazzula, also very impressive, talking about it with Tom Westerholm in a somewhat silly Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corrales above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rainy Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here in the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And I'm here for you every day, Monday through Friday. And I think this season, maybe a few extra days, maybe throw in some extra bonus post-game pods. You know, we'll see how the season goes. It's going to be a good season. I want to give you the content that you desire. Thank you for making Lockdown Celtics your first listener and part of your daily routine. I'm John Corrales. I'm hoping, first of all, that you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts uh, and on YouTube, I'm also a former professional basketball player who now covers the team for Boston Sports Journal. I've also written a book called The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Star, and I'm now realizing that my pointing at the camera has made things blurry because it's focused. There we go. There we go. Let's bring in Tom Westerholm, Tom underscore NBA. Got to make sure that the face is in full, crisp focus. Maybe not. Maybe maybe blurry might be better. Maybe that's maybe that's the secret to getting more YouTube uh, we like, oh, he's blurry. He's he's in a nice, he's in a nice kind of like, ah, oh, we can't see exactly what he looks like. Like an oh. ASMR, like an ASMR type thing, right? Like where it's kind of that soft noise that's just like, but like it's like soft sight. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like an ASMR pivot is is natural for this podcast. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? just, just talking really quietly about yeah, the Celtics. I'm very impressed by uh, how the Celtics performed in the uh, opening game. Does that work? Is that is that? Uh, I've never understood ASMR, but like you know, like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. Is that is that how it goes? I have no idea. I, I think so. Uh, I thought I got, Joe Mazzula had a uh, very I nice debut as a head coach. I like. I'm. I'm. As always, I'm probably wrong, but like. I think, <laughs> I think ASMR is like for people who really like mouth noises. You know what I mean? Like I think I, that's I think that's like the thing, right? They they like they like I, I think something about it's like that. Auto sensory something or other. So everything is like just the noises. Yeah, it's just certain noises that get people. Uh, may, maybe there are people who are listening to and watching the podcast who didn't realize they were into that, and now. Maybe I have to do two versions of every podcast. I have to do this version, and then I have to do one where I'm really low here on the microphone saying, "This is just like that's just NPR, isn't it? Like this is just like yes, Tom uh, Celtics, I, Celtics Public Radio." <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, I feel like we should. No, nope, don't get too excited there, Tom. We're talking about. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I can go the other way. I bought this sucker. I have uh, a megaphone here <laughs> where I can talk. <laughs> Very loudly. <laughs> I'm screaming it from the rooftops, Tom. I think this team is a contender. There's something very appropriate about you just having 
a megaphone like within arm's reach. <laughs> like, I like, have it right. You were just prepared. Like it was, I had it. I had it. We didn't I, talk about like doing ASMR before the no. and You were ready with your. Megaphone. I, my, I I was thinking about. So this is how I operate. <laughs> I, I think about. I was thinking about. I'm doing a bit. I'm thinking about doing a bit where I I actually I want to do. I'm screaming it from the rooftops, and I do my. This Celtics defense will be very good. And I'm just screaming it from the rooftops. And I was thinking about doing a segment where I was like, okay, we're going to bring it down a notch. And we're not going to go too crazy about a three-game losing streak. So it kind of yeah, naturally there you go. works into it. But I'm going to put the uh, – the best part about this uh, megaphone is that uh, – I'll show it to the people on YouTube. It comes with a bottle opener on the handle because <laughs> if you are using a megaphone, there's a good chance you're going to need to be drunk while using it. So you want to have your like, come on, Patriots, move the ball, damn it. A bunch of people are very, very upset with us right now. <laughs> Can we talk basketball, please? Yeah, yeah. I guarantee you, someone is already writing the comment. Skip to five oh one in the YouTube video if you want to get past the crap with the megaphone. All right, sorry, sorry. Somebody in their car just swerved off the road. I really do apologize. Um. Tom, you watched, uh, presumably, you watched a, a basketball match between the Boston-Philadelphia concerns. Uh, what what stood out for you uh, other than the obvious, uh, you know, we had, we had Jalen, we had Jason, uh, all of that stuff. Those guys are very good at basketball. Um, what what stood out to you? What was, what was your big takeaway outside of that? Yeah, and I mean, just to really quickly touch on that, I don't think that should be brushed off, partly because, like, Jason – looked really good right away. And like that matters quite a bit. And uh he's talking about because he's normally a slow starter. Yeah. Yeah. And like he and Jalen worked really well together. And like I don't think like after after watching how long it took them to kind of get to this point. That's fair just the the ups and downs, I don't think that should be brushed past. I thought that was a big deal. Um it was and it was cool to see it it was cool to see it last through the off season. You know like let's not brush past it. Let's let's talk about it. Because I, I think the big thing to me is just like it's it's not lightning in a bottle, you know. They they've they've figured a lot of things out that weren't just like you know a couple guys hitting a hot streak. They've yeah. they are ready to go. They're ready to be stars together. Um, I mean, look, overreaction to one game, sure, whatever, whatever. But like, it's not because it's 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 stretches back to last season, you know, and yep. it, it, it and and it, it showed up again last night, and I thought that mattered quite a bit. Yeah, I, I mentioned this was my first segment in last night's show where I, I was. I don't want to turn this into a ton of praise for Jason and not enough praise for Jalen because Jalen nope. was awesome. So I, I, but, but the thing about Jason's game is I think there was a huge advancement in his game as far as the driving. And I'm just going to yeah. hammer that point home as often as I possibly can because. I have, I, we've watched Tatum drive and get to the rim plenty of times. And, and we've watched him drive and, and kind of glide past the rim a ton. And that was the big criticism for last year. But this, this Tatum was determined. That spot right there on the floor, that's where I'm going. And I don't give a damn which of you Sixers is in my way. I'm getting there. And 
it was a level of that that I've not seen from Tatum. Just it's just in the way he did it, just in the stylistic way that he did it. It just felt like something has clicked with him. And it's and it's not an overreaction to one game because I've been seeing it throughout preseason. It's like uh, people might get sick of me hearing saying it, or, or, or maybe you love me saying it because it, it means that Tatum is doing something extraordinarily well, attacking the front of the rim yes. where he's just, I'm going here and I'm getting to the front of the rim, which means you're, you're not going to block me there, man. I'm going through you. Uh, it, that uh, was of the 70 points that were scored. I don't care so much about the sidestep threes. I don't care that he hits shots in people's faces. Tatum is going to do that. Jalen's going to do that. I thought Tatum had those spectacular drives. And then just to give Jalen some proper shine, he had a couple of uh, drives, you know, in transition, a couple of, a couple of finishes in transition where it felt like keeping the ball high, just decisiveness of the moves. It felt like, he learned a lesson from last year and every ball getting slapped away when he kept it down low that he's learned. If I'm going in, I'm going to keep myself. I'm going to protect myself from the slaps that turn into turnovers when the refs can't see that it's your hand or the ball. I'm just going to keep the ball up here and just drive and get my way in. And, and that's an advancement for Jalen Brown. So I, I was impressed by both of them. It's just that Tatum did more of that during the course of the game. So it was much more noticeable. There was one play, I, I think it was pretty early on, maybe the first or the second quarter, where Tatum drove at P.J. Tucker and just like like knocked him backward and not in a way that was a foul, not in a way that could have been interpreted as anything besides just a guy getting really low, which is something that we know he worked on. Um, you know, there's been reporting that he, you know, one of the big things that he, that he worked on with Drew Hanlon all summer was getting a little bit lower on his drives and kind of creating that contact really... Um, you're just kind of powering into a pretty strong dude. Like PJ Tucker is not a small man and Tatum just knocked him backward and he drew a foul. You know, he, that's, those are two things that he's really worked on this summer apparently. And like, you see the fruits of his labor right there. Like that's exactly what you want to see. It's stuff that we've been yelling about, you know, for however long, like, you know, if Tatum gets X number of free throws per game, he's a 30 point per game guy. He's, you know, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, I mean, it, like that that's those types of things that he's he's starting to put all of these little pieces together of just a genuine no questions asked MVP candidate all NBA first team superstar um you know we saw it last year we saw how far that can take the Celtics it's I think it's such a good sign that we're seeing it early again this year and and to your point right like it it isn't just him you know it it, it can't just be him like no you know no superstar is is, is good enough to do it by themselves. And, um, you know, Jalen is, is showing kind of every bit the, the same types of things, right? Like you talk about him keeping the ball high. Um, you know, it, it's funny that like his thing is like, keep the ball high and like, but also like they both are starting to like duck down lower and protect yeah. that and not get stripped. Like you said, just like protect that thing, almost like a running back, right? Like just don't get the ball ripped away from you. I, I don't know. I like, you know, again, like kind of like you, I, I don't, I didn't want to like, there's so much other interesting stuff from last night's game that like you kind of hesitate to uh, you know to, to spend a lot of time on the stars, but at the same time, like they scored 70 points. Like they looked awesome. Right. And that Sixers team 
they've got some size, right? Like they're yeah. they're not like they, they don't. And and the thing is, they don't have anybody who can deal with those two guys. And that's not even necessarily a knock on their roster construction. I just those two guys are just getting harder and harder and harder to deal with um, yeah. for everybody across the league. So um, just yeah, I mean the way those two guys started, I think is just such a such a good sign for the Celtics. Um, you know, like and it's it's one game, but it's it's really encouraging signs. These two guys, Bet Online has uh, odds out first player to score fifty or more points in a game. So it goes: Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant's nine to two. Kyrie's five to one. Luca's six to one. Trey Young is seven to one. LeBron fifteen to two, and then Jason Tatum eight to one. Eight to one odds on Jason Tatum to be the first player in the NBA to score fifty. Then you scroll down a little bit, and Jalen Brown is at thirty-five to one uh, on this list. Thirty-five to one, man. That's those are good odds, man. I I'd throw that's a couple th- bucks on Jalen Brown. He could he could drop fifty to on, on Friday. One hundred percent. I mean, look at last year, right? Like they showed that graphic on NBC Sports Boston during the game. The, uh, the the most points on an opening night. Jalen holds that record at forty six. Like yeah. he was only four away from fifty last year on opening night. And then number two is a four way tie between Tatum, Jalen Brown, Bob Cousy, and uh, I can't remember who the fourth one was. But there were, uh, but like it was a four way tie for guys who scored thirty five. No more kidding. It, no, I don't think it was Purvis. I'm as surprised <laughs> as you were. But um, yeah, man, like. It's it's not at all like it. I try to put a little, put a little money on Jalen. My my bad Jaylen. betting advice. There you go. Uh, BetOnline.net. By the way, your number one source for all your betting needs. Uh, continued source for uh, everything besides the NBA, MLB, MMA, boxing, golf. Check it out. Uh, they got these these odds that are coming out from time to time here. Uh, so yeah, between between Jalen and Jason, uh, John Morant, Joel Embiid, Dame, Anthony Edwards, Giannis, Jokic. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, Steph Curry, Devin Booker, DeMar DeRozan. I, I, DeMar DeRozan. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Probably not. No, I'm, I'm putting, I'm putting Jalen up, up there, um, ahead of a, a lot of these guys. So go to betonline.net, check them out because, uh, they're going to have everything that you need. You can use your mobile device, betonline.net where the game starts. We ask you to please gamble responsibly. Tom, I was impressed by the defense yeah. and I, yes. I think, uh, you know, I, you look at the game and it's 117 points. So the defense, not great uh, overall, but they gave up, what, 65 at, at halftime. So the, in the, the third quarter, they gave up 25, which is it's fine. In fourth quarter, they gave up 29, but I'm willing to give them a pass on some of that because basically the end of the game, Joel Embiid padded his stats a little bit. Um you had you had the the two the two fast break points that Philly got were on like the last what thirty seconds to go. Tobias Harris gets a steal and a dunk. Like, so I don't think that's right. I think that's a mistake on the scores because it was like twenty to two before that, and then I it? went in and then I was gonna go write that stat and I wrote twenty two to four because of that fast break dunk, and then I and then I went back and the box score still said twenty two to two. So I could be wrong. Or whatever this box score said, twenty four to two, whatever. Twenty four to two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like something that super doesn't matter because the point is that the Celtics annihilated them yeah. in fast break opportunities. But yeah. I do think that stat was a little off for the record. Well, regardless, Tom, geez, stickler for <laughs> facts, Tom Westerholm, um, stats, Tom. You know, yeah, jeez, man, lighten up. 
<laughs> I thought the Celtics did a great job. Um, they always do a good job on on Embiid. I heard the stat floating around that now now Al Horford is nine and three all time against Embiid in games they play each other. So that's that's pretty good. Uh, and, and the Celtics did uh, a, a really good job of mixing up their looks and the, the the classic way to defend Embiid. You play you play him straight up with a guy like Horford and. If you watch, it's almost like a, like like a reaction from like a dog where you see, you know, you, you put your hand up and they all like a dog will like, if you teach them like the high five, you, you get the ball into a bead and all of a sudden everybody's arms go out straight up. As soon as he touches the ball, everybody's arms just go straight out. And as soon as he put the ball on the floor, somebody digs. That's, yep. that's the best way. Um in, in, I remember specifically last year at one point, somebody didn't do that. And you heard just email in the back sound like Tom Thibodeau, like, dig, dig, dig. <laughs> but that's that's the, the, the game plan. That was an opportunity uh, for your megaphone for the record. I, I could have, but I wanted to go more muffled kind of like background. Tom, I'm painting a picture <laughs> in my podcasting. Okay. You're interrupting the art. Okay. The, you know what? I'm all thrown off. Let's just start over from the beginning. Hey, welcome back to the locker room. <laughs> ASMR. Uh, yeah, it just fast forwards. <laughs> uh, I thought I thought they did a great job, and and I think you capitalize on Embiid being a little lazy. And I think he's just a little slow uh, in the first game of the season uh, in in certain situations, and I thought that led to a bunch of the turnovers there that the Celtics were able to capitalize on. He had six of their 14 turnovers. 14 turnovers is not a lot for, it's not, not, it's not a a hard, it's not a great number. 10 is a great number for the Celtics. Um, 14 is okay. You know, 14 turnovers, you, you live with that. Not a problem. But the fact that 14 of those overs became 22 points off of those turnovers is that's, that's like, all of them, there's 28 potential points, assuming they're all layups. Um, you, you, you get 22 points out of it. That's that's really, really great for the Celtics. And and just the way they played in beat in the second half especially was, was really great. I just thought it was so interesting to see, like, like we didn't see anything new, like, from, from, from Embiid and the Sixers. It's like, how many times are we going to keep doing this? Like... <laughs> Like it's, it's, I agree, man. Like, I'm sorry. Like, because, because the other thing that's weird, right, is that, like, you know, you'll see Sixers people who are all blaming Doc Rivers and, you know, Doc Rivers this, Doc Rivers that. I'm sure Doc Rivers holds some of that. But, like, at some point, this, whatever this is, they keep doing it over and over and over again. And it's like, we saw how deadly, like, a Harden and Bead pick and roll would be, right? Like, those two dudes. Like, yeah. Like, oh my gosh, there's nothing you can do about that. Every time they ran that, it was a bucket. There's almost nothing you can do about it. But then, like, yeah, Embiid, like, by the like, you know, by the third quarter, he's shooting threes. It like, I'm not saying Joel Embiid can't shoot threes. Of course, he can shoot threes. But the whole con- con- concept of Joel Embiid is the the pressure that he applies on your defense. And when he shoots those threes, he's not applying pressure. He's just a pick and roll big man. That's that's just the same thing as any other dude. Like. Then you just play normal NBA defense, and hey, what are the Celtics good at? Normal NBA defense. Like, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't. Something. If the Sixers want to do anything, I just something has to change there. And I mean, yeah, it's the first game of the season, all the time in the world. But again, much like the Tatum and Jalen thing, first game of the season, okay. But we've seen evidence of this 
with the Celtics guarding Embiid now since what 2018? Like mm-hmm. this has been going on for a same long time, thing. and it's just the same thing every single year. So, look, I mean, I don't know. I, like I know people wanted to crown the Sixers. I mean, you know, Embiid was was. Uh, Harden was fantastic in the first quarter. Um, you know, the Celtics really made a lot of good adjustments, I thought, uh, as the game went on on him, too. But, I mean, the Celtics' defense just just throttled the Sixers for, you know, the, the final two quarters. And, like, I don't know, man. I, I Like, I just am not seeing anything new from the Sixers yet. Maybe we will by, like, you know, the second matchup or whatever. But so far, it's just, like, the same old thing. And, like, yeah, the Celtics are really good at defending that. Like, so I, I expect that unless things change, the Celtics will continue to be really good at defending the Sixers doing the exact same thing over and over and over again. It's so funny because every year we go into it and we go, all right, man, I don't know how they're going to guard Embiid. You know, this is going to be a problem. They don't have Robert Williams and all that stuff. And they just keep doing the same stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, we forget. It works. They know how to do it. It's funny. You know, after the game, uh, you know, on a day like this, I'm driving to, to practice and you pop on a couple of podcasts. I want to hear what the Sixers side has to say so I can just get things from their perspective. And you know, listen to Locked On Sixers and I listen to Rights to Ricky Sanchez. And the Ricky Sanchez guys, they're like, this is what's the difference? They said the exact same thing. Like, we, we could have run a podcast from three years ago, changed <laughs> yeah. teams, and just had the same reaction somebody submitted a column a piece uh, to to them and it's like this is the exact same thing it's the exact and, and to your point what has Embiid added to his game what has he added to his game now i say this as notoriously not the biggest Embiid fan in the world aesthetically honestly I can acknowledge their greatness. I'm, I, I think Embiid can be MVP this year. I think he might be the MVP this year. Um, that That's who I would guess right now. So I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be like full-on hater. But aesthetically, watching him and James Harden together, my two most aesthetically displeasing players in the NBA together, I was just like, my stomach was churning watching them just, you know, go for these fouls and, and just, uh, you know, I had a whole rant at the end of last night's podcast about the, the flagrant on Al Horford, which is just still complete crap in my eyes, but every, it was a bad one, but there's a, there's a play where, where, uh, Embiid had the ball on the, on the right block. He's on, uh, Noah Vonley and he spins to the baseline and he's going to come back around and here comes Tatum. Boom. Rips him. And then Embiid's reaction is like, oh, oh, where's the foul? And you're just like, oh, God, just just be a, just be the beast that you are and go to the rim. But no, he hasn't added anything to his game. He's just like, I'm going to be just this Joel Embiid that I've always been, and I'm not going to add anything significant to my game. And that it is no wonder that the Sixers have not added any playoff success to yeah. their journey as well. Embiid has stagnated as a, a MVP runner-up and the Sixers have stagnated as second round exits. It's not a surprise. And it's like, and this is, this is where I kind of want to bring it up with Doc Rivers to bring it to back to Doc Rivers too. Right. Because like, like Embiid, okay. Like 
he's it's it's kind of crazy to say he's stagnated as the MVP runner up, even though I I agree with you, right? But like, what what a bizarre sentence to say, right? Like he's stagnating as what the second best player in the NBA. Like, all right, yeah, but at the same time, like. Like it, it's not doing anything. Like that. Like people have, you know, like really good teams who have good personnel have figured this out. If the Sixers want to go to the finals this year, there's a very good chance they're going to have to do it through the Celtics. Um, like, you know, like, and and unless unless they do something new. So again, that's kind of where I come back to the pick and roll stuff. Like, okay, like, do like a week, a week where you run twenty of those per game. Because how many did they run last night? Three, four. Because it was a bucket every time. Like, it yeah. worked every single time. Because for all of the, you know, all of the very legitimate complaints that people can have about Embiid and Harden, like, that that pick and roll is Un- devastating. Completely unstoppable. unstoppable. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I know, like, not to, like, not to try to turn this into a Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Uh, but, no, like, but, I mean. It's like, I, I don't know, like. Like, because it's crazy, right? You watch Noah Vonley like, go in there, and yeah, the first half he's completely overmatched by Joel Embiid. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there watching that first half, and especially the first quarter, and thinking to myself, like, man, the Celtics have nothing for him. He's getting every offensive rebound. He's just destroying them. Guys are fouling out like crazy. Like, this yeah. is trouble. And then I look at the score, and I'm like, oh, they're like down by two. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like the second half rolls around, Horford's only got two fouls, and it's like, oh, they're fine. Because right. they're just going to do the same thing they've always done. Right. They're going to wait for him to run out of gas. He's going to start shooting threes, which is start exactly threes. what happened. Yeah. And and it's over. Because then the Celtics get out in transition. The Sixers don't have the personnel to get back. It's like, it's such a formula at this point. It's like, yeah. I, I don't know. It's like a Marvel movie. It's like, oh, man. Wonder, <laughs> wonder what's going to happen next, guys. Like, <laughs> It's true. It's true. Uh, and then, yeah, I didn't mention this in, in yesterday's podcast, but the Embiid smart dust up, which is yeah. guaranteed to happen in every <laughs> single game. You have that awesome photo of Marcus Smart pushing Embiid and him like, ah! and Smart just dead face. Dead face. <laughs> so just like, uh, that's just an all time great photo. Uh, but then in this one, I don't know, man, this. If a Sixers fan is going to listen to this and going to be like, oh, yeah, well, these are Celtics guys saying this. I really do think that Embiid was trying to hurt Marcus Smart. I thought, like, it was obvious that he had Smart's arm. You know, and and this is why I know that he knew he had Marcus Smart's arm. Because Embiid is a master of flopping, just like a lot of guys are masters at flopping. They are aware of every time that they're touched, including... When Marcus Smart was on the floor and he touched uh, Embiid's ankle and Embiid fell down because he wasn't off balance. He just fell. And he has a knack for falling and drawing fouls all the time. Great. Congratulations. You can game the system. He knew. He's aware. He knows He knows when a body is on him. He knows when an arm is on him. He can't tell me that he has the ball and he didn't know there was an arm. There's clearly a hand still on the ball. There's clearly an arm inside your arm. You know because you're an NBA player. You are hyper aware of every little surrounding around you. Plus, you're a back-to-the-basket guy. You're trained to feel bodies on you. Every post player, every back-to-the-basket guy like Embiid, you that's how you play in the post. You feel guy on your hip, guy in the middle of your back, know where they know where they are. So he knew exactly where Marcus Smart was. And you can't tell me otherwise. So when he pulled that way, 
he's trying to hurt Marcus Smart. They don't like each other. And that was part of, like, and I, I believe wholeheartedly that Embiid was trying to do something with, with ill intent. And then Smart grabs the guy and trips him. If you want to believe that that was an actual trip, fine, whatever. Um, but that little, that little dust up there, that's something that's going to happen in the next game and in the next yeah. game and in the next game. And it's a matter of who can keep their wits about them. And Marcus Smart afterwards <laughs> had the best quote. He was like, I could have cracked his skull open, but I'm too mature for that right now. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, very was, funny. Not too mature to talk quote. about it, but uh, definitely too mature to do Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Obviously. Just letting you know I could crack your skull open, but I'm too you know mature that to I, do that. Just letting you know that I could crack open the head of this uh, seven foot two behemoth. You're like, <laughs> all right, all right, Marcus. Like, you're a tough dude, but oh, man. My, my thing with that play was just like, like, Think I, I don't I don't know what Embiid was thinking I don't know what he felt whatever like I will you know I'm, I'm not a part of it but like like people spent you know five years trying to tell me that Kelly Olenek was super dirty because of that play with Kevin Love and yeah. fine but like if so then that Embiid play was just as dirty right like yeah like I I don't know because like that it's a tough one right because like things happen very quickly in basketball you're wrestling for the ball fine but like. If if one is dirty, then the other one is too. And if one is not dirty, then not going my microphone. If one is not <laughs> dirty, then the other one, I, like I don't know. But just like let's be consistent here, right? Because like if trying to wrench the ball, like you know, if you're trying to do that pulling maneuver, if that's dirty, then like you know, then it was dirty when Embiid did it to Smart too. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. it didn't look it didn't look great to me. I I didn't think it looked very good either. Then um, I'm. I'm I'm usually like somebody who kind of errs on the side of like giving guys like you know like benefit of the doubt. Everything happens fast, blah blah. I didn't think it looked good either, especially you know multiple you know multiple replays. Not yeah, I, you you don't want to see somebody try to get you don't you don't want to see somebody get hurt like that. And it did, you know, it looked like it had the potential for it for sure. So, uh, anything else from the game as we get ready? Yeah, to you, yeah, okay. quick 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 little lightning round here. Yeah, um, let's do it. Lightning round. I, I, all right. I thought Grant Williams was great. I thought that like as a uh, as like a the, the the start of him trying to get a big contract, um, it, you you can see the pieces for it, right? Like he's mm-hmm. he, he's going to be like a a very very useful piece on this team. Um, I thought like even though I didn't think he guarded James Harden very well, I thought the fact that he can like he's a guy who's turning into somebody who you could throw at both Harden and Embiid is mm-hmm. real interesting. Um, you know, just a just a. Really good player, man. He's, he's, he's turning into quite a basketball player. And then um, I also thought, you know, Joe Mazzula, like the fact that like, because in that first quarter, I started to think to myself like, oh boy, like I hope he's, you know, you know, hope he's not overmatched here. <laughs> he's not like, I, really? like the players seem to respect him. You know, the, like I thought Tatum's quote afterward about how Mazzula is asking them for, you know, help and advice as much as, yeah. you know, they're getting advice from him. That's that's like the mark of a really smart coach because the I think the big thing is that the players understand how difficult Missoula's spot is. The players know that Missoula was never planning on being the head coach this season. They're yes. well aware of that, and so of course they want to help him too. And like, but the fact that there's also that respect from the players of like this dude did unbelievable scouts against the Heat, blah blah. Like yeah. you know he he's done all this stuff for us. He's been around since 2019. It's it's the, it can it can be kind of this. Uh, this cohesive uh, mm-hmm. symbiotic relationship where they kind of show him how to be an NBA coach. And he is then an NBA coach. I think it's, 
um, I think there's a lot of potential for a really good partnership uh, between the players in Missoula. I, I will, I will agree with that. I did mention it a little bit last night in the, in the podcast, but um, I, I will uh, happily expand on that because this is the thing I've been saying. This is the thing I've been saying multiple times on the podcast. And then I wrote in my season preview on Boston sports journal. It has to be, this has to be the most collaborative effort we've seen in the NBA. Yeah. Because this is the most unique. We've never seen a guy take the interim job three days before media day. Like that's just, he's, he's, he doesn't have the same like advantages in some senses, because if you were a new head coach, coming into you know 34 years old whatever well like will hardy's doing in, yeah. in top he gets to hire his own guys he gets to put his own plan together he gets to do all that stuff himself he's very clearly in charge but missoula has come in you know and, and like we'll ask him in scrums what communication have you had with brad stevens about bringing in a certain player and he's like none what have what what have you talked about with him as far as the end of the bench guys? Who are you going to keep? Who are you going to none? Like he just said, and now he, he might be BSing us, but he says I got I got no that's that I'm I'm focused on the on the court stuff. They can focus on the other stuff, and so but I, I kind of believe him on that. He is he's in a very unique situation, and to hear Tatum and Brown kind of admit, yeah. We're we're helping him. He's helping us, and we're we're getting through this together. This is like very much the massive team effort. The coaches, uh, the assistant coaches, who may be uh, looking to put together resumes because we don't know who's going to be around next year. Yeah. If Missoula, let's say Missoula does great, and if they obviously win a championship, what are you going to do? Look for another coach? Like no, Joe's got the job. Who's he gonna? Who's he gonna keep? Who's he gonna bring back? Is he gonna want to just keep the staff and be like, hey, we, let's let's run it back? Are they gonna want to stay here? Is Ime gonna get a job somewhere? Is he gonna get re- let go and go to, I don't know, Brooklyn and say, hey, you know, Damon Stoudemire, we're really close. Come be my assistant over here. You'll be my associate head coach. And he'd be like, well, you know, what's he gonna do? So anyway, long-winded way. This is supposed to be a lightning round, John. Shut the hell up. Uh, I, I've been looking for this team to, to, to be a big collaboration. And after that game, you heard guys talk about being the big collaboration. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that that's how it's going because that's how it's, it, that's the only way, in my opinion, that this is going to work. I think it really speaks volumes. And again, sorry to the lightning round. It's, it's, it was a, <laughs> lightning a good round is done. It's dead. <laughs> um, it, like I, I think, I think it really speaks volumes, right? That like this is a tryout. This is like a job interview for yeah. Joe Missoula, yeah. and, and it's like, th- like in a job interview, you don't get the full financials of the company that you're, you know, applying for. Whatever, you don't get every like little detail that you might like to have. But like, yeah, like Missoula mm-hmm. might not be as in with Brad Stevens as Ime was last season, or as as in with Danny Ainge as Brad was you know, during his tenure, because this is a tryout. But I do think that it speaks wildly good things about Missoula, that the players are bought in. That is like the sign that a tryout is going well, right? That's the sign that like the job interview is going well, that like that you can get that collaboration, that you can get these players to all say, hey, like I am willing to work with you. I like I, I believe in you enough to lead us to a championship that, yeah, like 
I understand that you don't have all the information, but the information that you don't have, I'm willing to try to share with you. I'm willing to try to work with you on because I respect you enough. If, if I'm Missoula and, or if I'm Brad Stevens and I'm looking for reasons to keep Missoula, I think that's a big one. Like if Jason Tatum is willing to say like, Hey, like you're not that experienced, but I, I think down the line, I, I see the potential of an NBA coach in you and I'm willing to work with you. That's great. That's, yeah. that's exactly what you're looking for. What else so, do you need? Yeah. Credit to Joe Missoula, man. I think he's, I think he's got, I think he's working with something here. And uh, the last thing I, I needed to mention, because uh, I didn't mention it, I was just so caught up in all the game and, and how that went. Uh, I didn't mention the, the, the Bill Russell tribute, which I thought was yeah. very nice. Um, and Bill Russell's widow was there and she had a, just a, a massive standing ovation during the game. And uh, just, I don't know what there is to say other than, you know, to acknowledge that it was a very nicely done tribute. Um, and I know there are going to be more tributes. They're going to do another game, another tribute game on his birthday in February. And, uh, you know, they've got the jerseys and all that stuff. So I, I just, all I want to say is they, they did a nice job. I and, and, thought- and it resonated with the guys. Like they, they were yes. like Jalen Brown. Like it really resonated with those guys. That's what I was going to say too, is like, I think it, it you know, like Jalen, I don't think Jalen's somebody who's like nervous about talking in front of a crowd. And I thought that it, it like Jalen almost sounded a little nervous and a little bit like kind of Definitely. impressed, impressed by the moment. Like he, he understands the, like the, the gravity of, of Bill Russell and of, you know, the importance of that moment. And, and I think the honor of being the Celtics player who gets to speak in that yep. moment and, and who is, yep. who is asked to speak in that moment. So, um, you know, credit to Jalen. I thought his I thought his comments were really, um, you know, like they said, you know, very heartfelt and very powerful. You know, like you know, the greatest mm-hmm. of men. Like what a what a, what a thing to say about a man. Um, you know, what a thing to have said about you as your legacy. Yeah. Um, and and I mean, you know, well deserved, obviously. So um, that was really cool, and I, and I thought that it was really cool to see how much that meant to Jalen to to be asked to do that. Yeah, and I think I think the the most important tone of all of it. And, and I think this has been true of the entire remembrance of Bill Russell, not just basketball. The yeah. was not just basketball. And that is the ultimate legacy of Bill Russell, not just basketball. And, and Jalen hit it perfectly. And I think the Celtics did a really good job. Um, the, the, the tone of everything and, and just uh, everything, the, the way they put it together was, was very well done. All right. Uh, you know what else is well done, Tom? This podcast. Great pod. I enjoyed it. I'm going to pat myself on the back. Play a little old school wrestling. Uh, was it Barry Horowitz who'd come in? The best part of that, I don't know if you probably didn't pay attention to any of the old school wrestling. <laughs> Barry Horowitz would come in, give himself a big old pat on the back, and then just get wasted. He was just a jobber that came came in all cocky and everything, and his job was just to lose every match. It was hilarious. Wrestling doesn't have enough jobbers anymore. Guys who walk in there and just get crushed uh, to set up other guys' careers. That's a thing. Tom, your thoughts on wrestling jobbers? Sounds to me like you've got a little niche you could try to fill there. I'm very – hey, look. Message to WWE. I am willing to, as a side gig – be a manager. I'm a little too old to, I mean, okay, maybe I could take a chair shot. I don't know. Let's start with across the back before we get to across the head. I'm not that psychotic, but, uh, I'm very well, I got the megaphone. 
I got like the Jimmy Hart megaphone. I can come out that out there and uh, start uh, pumping guys up. But I'm very happy to be the manager. I'm happy to be the guy that like throws sand in somebody's eyes or sure, you know, yeah. rips the guy up, like grabs the foot as he's on the ropes and he turns around and points at me and my guy rolls him up for the cheap, you know, cheating win. I'm all for it. I'm so you guys know what to do. WWE triple H get at me. Get at the underscore boys, but only one of them. Cause I'm out. I don't want to. Yeah. 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 All right, Tom. Appreciate you. Tom Westerholm. <laughs> Fun times, everybody. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Same, uh, same time, same everything, uh, wherever you get your podcast. If you have not subscribed, then it's not the same. Go subscribe so you can get it directly to your device. This way, when you open up your app, it's right there. Or watch a show on YouTube. You can see me playing stupid things with my megaphone. That sounded dirty. I'm sorry. Uh, just go subscribe to the podcast and share the podcast. Tell your friends. Tell everybody they should be listening to and watching Lockdown Celtics right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.